0: This is the End FGM Podcast with Catherine Diakono.
1: FGM is not a, one, not a one-man show, but a community thing. You need every member of the community to, to eradicate FGM.
0: Welcome to the End FGM Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Kipainoi. I spend time with change makers who are making an impact in Kenya and beyond. Each week, we listen to incredible stories of ordinary people just like you, making a difference. They share their successes, failures, and what they are learning along the way. Thank you for being with me today. Let's get started. I'm seated with Catherine Diakono. She has been involved in campaigns aimed at seeking justice for people who died as a result or from complications that arose from female genital mutilation in Meru County. Welcome to the End FGM podcast, Catherine. I know that you've been through a lot trying to rally people to join your cause, but today I would like us to focus on the campaigns you've run to seek justice for those who succumbed to FGM and its complications. What made you join the fight against FGM?
1: One of my cousins, we used to live with her. She went back to her home and underwent FGM. This girl, after that, she, she was still in primary school. After that, she dropped out of school. She became pregnant. The time she was going to give birth, she died. And the reason, one of the reasons why she died, this is the time now I understand, it was because of um, uh, bleeding, excessive bleeding during giving birth. It is called. Uh, postpartum, I'm arranged. That is what caused her death. My cousin died that time and she left uh, a, a newborn baby. Actually, she never even saw a, a baby. A baby was taken to to uh, an orphanage. So that thing really hurt me. It was one of the things which which really made me think about FGM in Maru County.
0: When did you begin this campaign?
1: It was... I can see it is fate. Because what really motivated me, a friend of mine, and, and employed a girl who had completed Form 4. And this girl, after, the, after some time, she went back home in Meru. I know a village. And the next time I met my, my friend, she told me the girl whom she had employed, a Form 4 liver went back home to be circumcised.
0: The girl had finished her secondary education and went back home to be circumcised after getting employment as a house help.
1: Yes, that is uh, in uh, 2015. And I tried to follow up. I didn't know it is, it is a passion. I tried to follow up in the village to ask about that girl. And I got information that this girl was circumcised together with, a, with her sister-in-law. Now that thing, I mean, I came to see FGM is not about children in Meru County or small girls. Now that is the time I started asking, what is this happening in Meru County? When I look back in Meru County, even up to today, there are no organizations which are fighting FGM. And there is a time one day I passed through the anti-FGM board. Out of career, I was I was doing my own business since I'm 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 into business. I passed through there and I went to the anti-FGM board. I asked the reception, you mean you guys are here, the anti-FGM board, and you are not in Meru? I asked them, why are you not guys in Meru? And you are the ones who are fighting FGM. People are being circumcised in Meru. Why are you not doing anything in Meru? I I, I lightened the case of that girl, because it was the same year, 2015. That is the time I, I... I remember it was around August, 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 September, right there. That is the time I asked them. This lady got got circumcised in August. It was around September, November. Got circumcised in, in August. And this is not the first case. This is not the only case of someone being circumcised in Meru. Where are you not in Meru? I was taken to the office of the CEO. And the CEO told me now you're the one who is going to fight FGM in Meru County. I went back to the people. I was, I, I was told to go, go, and, go and help your people, of course. In other words, go and help your people. We will give you support.
0: The anti-FGM board then went to Meru.
1: For the second time, Madam Jabiki Limo and the CEO, they went to Meru that time, in 2015.
0: You began running and, and, and rallying people towards people dying from FGM.
1: Yes. Now, you know what happened? The moment we went, it was announced in the, in the radio, the local, the, local, the, lo- the local media in Meru County. And the people came to know this, oh, there's someone who is fighting FGM in, in our community. They got to know me. Now, from there, henceforth, anything happen, happening in Meru about FGM, about anything about girls, even rape cases. Catherine is the first person they think of calling. And this happened, it has been happening for, for like, uh, this like the fourth year. And uh, on 16th of December, 2018, I received a call very early in the morning about a girl, aged uh, 14 years, who died of FGM. At that time I called many organizations, even the government, I reported the case of Jelinda Gaishuiri. That was that is that was her name. I tried to follow up. I called the area, the area leaders. I uh, I called the the OCS. They went to collect the body of Jelinda from home. I tried to to. I mean, I did everything I could that time. Cause one thing I came to learn later on. The plans was to bury Jelinda and reported it. was a Sunday morning. The grandfather had gone to a congregation nearby where there were some local leaders, the, the sub-area, because he was asking for a burial permit for Jelinda. One of our, one of our, uh, person, a guy we work with, uh, who is a pastor, noticed some commotions. He went out to see what is happening. And there is a time, the grandfather of Jelinda told the, the pastor, a granddaughter has died after, after some stomach complications. And now they want a burial permit from the, one of the members of the church, who is a subway area, and people started questioning. Now that these people started talking and saying, no, you cannot bury someone who has died at home. She has to be taken to the mortuary. It is not allowed according to the law. You have to ta- you have to report to the police because uh, in in Kenya right now, if someone dies at home, you have they have to be taken to the mortuary, and they, it has, many times it has to be booked to the police. So this case, they wanted to worry up and bury Jelinda without anyone knowing what happened. They did de- not want even to disclose Jelinda underwent FGM in the first place. Now, uh, news from the village made the pastor know Jelinda and I went to FGM a week ago.
0: The villagers explained to him that the girl had been circumcised a week prior.
1: Yes. And now the chief, the, the chief declined to give a burial permit. At that time, eh, I ent- mobilized the police. They went to the village to collect the body. Now the problem we have been having with the body of with the story of Jelinda is that uh, Jelinda comes from one district, but her uh, FGM took place in a neighboring district where she died. And now the local administration, I will say this: uh, they are trying to shift blames. One is saying she doesn't come from my my district. The other one is saying yes. She, she, FGM took place in my district, but her parent doesn't come from my district. So they have been shifted. No one wants to own up. The parent, after they realized what has happened, Jalinda has died, the parent disappeared. The circumciser disappeared. The hunt where Jalinda died from disappeared. Now, the moment I kept on following up with everyone, The the report I used to to get, and even today, the report I get is that the perpetrators disappeared. Where do you want us to get them? Come and help us look for the perpetrators. No, I ask. I'm just a whistleblower. I I I have no mandate to arrest. It is the mandate of the police to arrest the wrongdoers. So as we talk right now, even today, the, according to the report we get from, from the police, the parent of Jelinda disappeared. The family of Jelinda and refused to bury Jelinda.
0: Why did they refuse to, to bury the girl? And yet, you know, they had, they had planned to bury her without being reported. And now they don't want to, to bury her at all. What happened?
1: Now Jelinda was taken to the mortuary. Actually, her body was abandoned. By who? By the parent. By the, by the family. No one in the first place, the parent disappeared, according to the fam- according to the local leaders. Now here we are. Eh? Jelinda has nobody. Even the grandfather who was going to seek for burial permit. They have abandoned Jelinda. They
0: they now don't want to be associated with the with the with the, with the girl who was passed on.
1: Yes, the reason being eh? there is a case with this body. that is one. And the, and the and the and the police and everyone else. There was doubt because uh, they were saying we don't know what killed Jelinda. in February on 5th. There is a time we were in a conference, the second the second National NFGM conference. In that conference, I, I raised my I, I asked a question to the PS,
0: the Permanent Secretary.
1: Yes, of gender. Actually, I explained to them, there's a girl who died in in Meru County, 14 years, named Jelinda. Her body is, it is almost two months, and her body is still lying in the mortuary. No one has been arrested up to today. For how long will the body of Jelinda continue staying in the mortuary? And who will give justice to Jelinda? That is the question I asked. How many people will die in Meru for you to know FGM is being practiced in Meru? That is what I asked there. The, the. My question was directed to Permanent Secretary of the Ministry of Gender. And after that, of course, I, I continued to follow up on the next day where I approached the CEO and FGM board uh, and, the, and one of the directors. Of of the Ministry of Gender, trying to follow up. I was told to do a report of what happened to Jelinda and the PS. Next day, when the P, when we were closing the meeting, the PS promised to give justice to Gelinda. And now, after after that day, that is the time we went to social media because we tried all avenues.
0: You went to social media as 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 a group of people.
1: Yes, we went to, the, to social media as a group of people. Youth Anti FGM Network. We joined us and said we have, we have, we have to give Jelinda justice. At this time, no, uh, McEw, our body is still in the mortuary. Uh, there is no post mortem which has been done after some time, like after like uh, two weeks. Of our campaign, our continuous campaign on social media, and demanding justice for Jelinda, tagging every government organisation about this story. Our cry was heard by uh, um, one of the mainstream, one of the mainstream media's. Where we, where we went back to Medu to cover the story of Jelinda. This time, when we went to Medu to cover the story of Jelinda, we learned that Jelinda was not circumcised alone. There were six girls. Angelinda succumbed to death. And these six girls, one of them was like seven, eight years who was circumcised. So that's the time we learned. Because and we, we came to know. Actually, in December, at the same time, eh, the same time Jelinda died, another lady who was married <laughs> who was circumcised. The same time, these are some of the extreme cases. In August, a mother of four was circumcised in the same area.
0: She was forced by the in-laws to get circumcised in the same area where this little girl called Jelida died.
1: Yes, in the same district.
0: Then, still in December, someone else was forced to undergo the cut.
1: Yes, a married woman.
0: And those are extreme cases because there are many which are not reported. That, of course, are about young girls who are at the age of Jelida, 14 years old, who are cut after or even before finishing class eight.
1: Yes, actually when we went to, during that time we learned from the sub-county hospital that they receive around 10 cases during school holidays who their FGM cases have uh, developed complications. And in other times, they receive around four to five cases of complication. Mark you, it is, we are talking of complication, like excessive bleeding, uh, infection like tetanus, pus. These ones are taken to the hospital. The highest number is of girls and women who heal, uh, who heal naturally after undergoing FGM. Now, that time we learned that, and we learned the same same time. Jelinda was not the first girl or first FGM victim to die, of of FGM. Now, after that, huh? after that, the DCIO of Meru County approached me and told me, "I have seen your your tweet about Jelinda. This girl, Jelinda. I followed them. That is where I've I've I've, uh, I've gotten your number. And it seems you are an interesting case to this case of Jelinda. Uh, we would like. We are going to carry a post mortem. We have talked to the family. They going, They have agreed." for post-mortem to be carried, because they wanted Jelinda to be buried. At that day, I remember calling uh, calling, calling one of the uncles. I, I got to get the number of one of the uncles, because we wanted to give them, uh, through the other organizations like uh, Kenya National Human Rights, Commission who we end approached eh, to give Jelinda justice to to follow up this this case of Jelinda. I approached them to to organise for us an independent pathologist. And th- at that time, after like on 21st, the, on 21st of February 20, 20, 2019, eh, that is when post mortem was carried. But we were not able to 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 provide a lawyer. I mean, not a lawyer. A pathologist, because of the of the the short the the short notice. But one of the doctors was, the government doctor was carrying the post mortem. We trusted him. We know his. We know we 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 know his work. We have been working with him before.
0: Because your your background is also in health, you are able to understand people who are working in the health sector.
1: Yes. So um,
0: let let me just get back to. To the part where you said you spoke to the DCIO—that's basically the Department of Criminal Investigations officer—and yes. you spoke to him, and he asked you to to file in as an interested party, and then you now began to follow up this case officially, and also, um, of course, knowing that there is a there is a post mortem happening, you are now an interested party in the death of this car.
1: Yes. Now, at that point, the DCI contacted me. I had to get some of the people whom we work with to go and witness the 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 postmortem of Jelinda. Cuz because, because of security purposes I could not go to 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 to, to Meru where the postmortem was happening. Cuz when I started following up the story of Jelinda, many things came up according to some of the people who are who are holding the culture, they say FGM is, is a part of Meru culture. Right now are being fought by by so many other people. Because they're saying I'm trying to, I'm I'm trying to I'm fighting their culture. That's the statement. You're fighting our male culture. After the post mortem was carried on twenty second, twenty second of February twenty nineteen, and according to the post mortem report, Jelinda died of complication resulting from FGM type two. The doctor indicated that uh, the the word, the FGM type two would it had some infe- it had infections, and this uh, infection led to septicemia, which led to sepsis, the died of sepsis. In short, the, the bacterial infection spread to the blood, then to the body organs, and that brought some uh, organs failure.
0: Officially, she died of sepsis, which is basically the hyper infection of organs that resulted from an infected wound, which also originated from the
1: cut. Yes, FGM type 2 to be specific. That is what killed Jelinda infection from the wound of FGM type 2.
0: And you had involved everyone from the media, the mainstream media, you had mobilized the youth who made this uh, topic. Uh, basically, this hashtag FGM killed leader, a trend brought to the attention the Ministry of Gender um, brought about the anti-FGM board and other organizations were able to get involved in um, trying to address this specific case where a little girl of 14 years old died from female genital mutilation complications in Meru. And you had no prior plans or, or, or strategies on how to deal with such issues because they've already happened. Now you want to seek justice from, uh, for this little girl. The process from trying to find justice, from trying to contact everyone, how was the process for you?
1: Oh, was, that was one of the hardest times for me. It was many a time I never used to sleep because Jalina became part of my life. From the day I heard Jelinda has died, Jelinda became part of me. Jelinda was, every day I would talk about Jelinda with everyone I meet. It was about Jelinda, Jelinda. Actually, my friends have nicknamed me Mama Jelinda from that story. Uh, it. I have. I've calling people, writing, because I contacted even, Makiou Contacted. I contacted even the office of the ODPP.
0: Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions. Yes,
1: I contacted that, that office. And they told me, because I remember on uh, on, 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 14th, on 14th of February, that is when I, on 14th of February, that is the time I wrote an, an email to the Office of the ODPP, telling them we, I demand justice for Jelinda, And they told me we have acknowledged. The same time I approached FINDER.
0: Federation for Women Lawyers.
1: In Kenya, I contacted them. At this time, I, I contacted so many other organizations trying to seek justice for Jelinda. At this point, after after the postmortem has happened, actually I called the doctor, doc, the doctor, the M-O-H of Nyerere Sub County, Doctor Doctor Before the, the postmortem was carried on, that is the time Doctor karioki told me we have learned, yes the postmortem. He confirmed the date of the postmortem. The next thing he told me which really at, which at which 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 hurt me mostly was that the body of Jelida, the family has paid the hospital to dispose the body of Jelina. They don't want to bury Jelida.
0: The family now of as you had said earlier now did not want to get associated with the body and so they wanted the body to be disposed. And that's what the doctor told you.
1: Yes, the doctor told me now. Yes, the postmortem will be current because I contacted him a day before the postmortem. He confirmed to me the postmortem will be current and he is the one who will be carrying the postmortem. The next thing, the family refused, has refused to bury Jalinda. I asked him, how can I bury Jalinda? How can I bury Jalinda? How can we bury Jalinda? How can we give Jalinda a decent burial? And the doctor told me the only way you can give Jalinda the, uh Jelinda a decent burial contact the family let them give you the body you sign you sign some document with the, with the chief with the local local leaders and that way you will bury Jelinda
0: so basically he was telling you to find a way to just instead of, of, of the girl being, of the girl's body being disposed you take into custody the body and do the burial yourself
1: Yes, which was ready. From that point, I started calling the uncle, contacting the family of Jelinda to give me the body of Jelinda. At some point, the uncle told me, yes, we will give you the body. What is so hard? If someone wants to dispose something and someone wants to take that thing, what is that? Is we are going to give you the body of Jelinda. I was supposed to go and meet the family so that they can transfer the body to me. At that point, I didn't know where I'm going to bury Jelinda, but I was ready to, to, to bury Jalinda. Uh, and then the family, after one day, they changed their mind. And they say, now, we are not going to give you the body of Jelinda because you might bring it back to us through the police to bury it. Our, our stunt remains. Jelinda is going to be disposed by the hospital. At that point, I felt discouraged, and now I knew the Meru, the Meru Council of Elders, will be with me at this point. That is the time I contacted the Chairman of of Meru Council of Elders, Jordin Cheke in Kimeru. My father is a, 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 a one of the Council of Elders, and in our culture. Those now stands to be my father's. I, I contacted them and, and I told them, my father's, I know in 1956 you banned FGM in Meru County. And here is a case of a girl who died of FGM. And the family has refused to bury the body. One thing I'm requesting you, use your powers to force these people to bury the body of Jelena. And at that point I started the the during checkers sent their their representative to face the family. And even at that point, the family refused. The family went ahead to see this is a community land. That girl cannot be married here. The reason is, the reason they were citing Jelinda, according to their, their culture, their American culture, is that uh, uh a childless person has no one to bury them. Their bodies are supposed to, to be disposed.
0: Wait. According to the Meru culture, if you do not have a child, no matter what age you have, yes. you have to be disposed.
1: You are considered barren.
0: So, so you are not buried. You are thrown away.
1: Yeah, you are disposed. The other thing, Jelinda was not circumcised. Remember Jelinda had went to FGM, but the right the the the, the past Jelinda died before the completion of the rite of of passage. So even that one contributed because Jelinda was considered as a bad woman in the community. She was like a curse. No one wanted to be associated with Jelinda. So no one wanted even to touch. And body, not even touching, even seeing and body. So Jelinda, these parents, they were undermined. They didn't want anything to do with Jelinda. As I was preparing to go to, to the court and be given the body, the family softened the, their stand and they agreed to bury Jelinda. That was one victory for me and for our community and for our fight against this retrogressive culture that the family has agreed to bury Jelinda.
0: The family, which considered her a bad omen, and they said that this is community land, and our cultures don't allow for burying of someone who doesn't have children, basically, allowed through the um, intervention of the enduring cheke who are basically the elders of Ameru culture, to bury this body something that has never happened before.
1: Yes, that is what happened. I knew this is a victory. One, one thing, the reason why I consider it is a victory, we have conquered a culture in Meru County for Jelinda to be buried. And the family scheduled burial of Jelinda on 16th, March 2019. That was the happiest moment of my life. Jelinda is going to rest in peace because this girl and suffered while well alive and now they wanted to punish her on her death.
0: And that happened?
1: Yes, Jelinda was buried on the 16th. Now prior to that, huh, us as, uh, and the group we, we worked together with, for the youth group, yeah. The
0: Youth Anti FGM Network in Kenya.
1: Yes. The Youth Anti FGM Network in Kenya and FIDA, we organized a memorial service for Jelinda in a community. Because one of the reasons why we did that, we wanted to sensitize the community to tell the whole world FGM killed Jelinda and there is no justice which has been given up to now. That is, that is the message we wanted to pass to the whole community we want We wanted even the other children to know even everyone to know fGM kills people and on fourteenth of of march 2019, people from these youth they are from different parts of the country of Kenya. We gathered and went and did a... a a peaceful demonstration in town, in Lare Town, Igembe Central, Meru County, for Jelinda, in honor of Jelinda. And at this point, remember that during Jorincheke, the Council of Elders from Meru, they allowed us to use their land to build a monument for Jelinda, a place where everyone from all over the world will come and see. During this time, a girl called Delinda was killed by FGM.
0: The Council of Elders who recanted this practice in the 1950s, and again they did it in the early 2000s. Yes. They allowed you to set up a monument at one of their shrines.
1: It is their headquarters where they allowed us to raise a monument for Jelinda.
0: And that passes a big message that the people who make decisions about culture and especially harmful traditional cultures were outrightly against female genital mutilation and they agreed unanimously that it is not allowed in this community and that's what we wanted to tell the community.
1: Yes. The other thing they said, they even repeated it. Even on that day, they said, We are again, them as Cheke or the Council of Elders, the custodian of culture in Meru County. They are against FGM in Meru County and Kenya as general. One of the things they said, they said they are ready to be engaged by other cultures or other. Uh, communities which practice FGM. And they can work together to fight these menace of
0: FGM. And it was a success because by highlighting this issue about this girl, getting justice for her, getting buried, even though the F- people have not yet been arrested, apart well, from the auntie?
1: Yes, the auntie where FGM took place was arrested, surrendered herself to the police, She was taken to the to the court, but unfortunately one of the things which has happened, she has been released because of lack of evidence.
0: Through this you are able to engage many people and bring to light so many issues that revolve around how difficult it is to to highlight cases of FGM not only in Meru County but also in other communities who, which practice FGM. One thing that you learned from the whole process?
1: One of the lessons I learned is that for you to fight FGM, of course, first you need passion and a love for people.
0: You need to love people?
1: Yes, because you can't, you know, FGM is not about a practice. It is about loving people who are going through it. Because you know what the dangers of FGM The other thing I learned, you need finances to fight FGM.
0: And the coordination part, is there a lesson that you learned as an individual about how different people could work together to bring an end to FGM?
1: Yes, one thing I realized, you need each other. You need an experience from each person. You will hear some... uh, involved their religious leaders like in our community we we, we are working hand in hand with the council of elders there are others who are working hand in hand with the with the reformed circumcisers FGM is not a one not a one man show but a community thing you need every member of the community to, to eradicate FGM you need the circumcisor you need the the cultural, I can say the cultural, the culture custodian, you need the young men, because one thing, one thing uh, uh, I forgot to mention, Jeremy, is that the reason why FGM mostly is practiced, is practiced for men by women. Men may not even be aware that FGM is done for them, but This thing has been passed down from one generation to another. Where FGM is practiced is that FGM is done for you to become a good wife. So even small girls are being prepared for wives. So And this wife, for you to be, according to the tradition which is... Uh, uh, is passed for you to be a good wife, a submissive wife, obedient to your husband, and all that to raise your children very well. You should undergo FGM, and in the process of FGM, you are taught those things. So I realized even our men should be involved. Our boys, our old men, our young men should be involved in this, and even them, these men, they don't know why FGM is being practised. We should unveil the myth of FGM. There are people who are circumcised and they don't know they are circumcised because some of them they were circumcised at a very young age. So there is one lesson I learned.
0: As we conclude this, I know there are more cases. For instance, there is the case of a girl called Purity which you recently brought to attention, a girl who was already married and had two children. And she died from FGM complications, just as Jelida did. This time, hers was complications due to, to diabetes type 1. We could delve into this for hours and hours. But with all the lessons that you've shared, and someone would pick by involving different people and bringing to attention certain issues, we are able to bring to light an issue that has stayed with us as communities for many years. FGM, as we know, is a culture that has been practiced for years and years. And so bringing it to light sometimes needs examples and also um, involving many people, which you've done. As we bring this to a close, I know we will not be able to finish all this today, but if anyone wants to uh, basically reach out to you, in any case, uh, what what channels would they use to reach you?
1: Okay, we have an organization. We have an organization called Care Health Providers. That is one. Uh, and Care Health Providers has our email and our website. Um, www.carehealthproviders.org uh, you find our emails there and our phone numbers.
0: Amazing. www.carehealthproviders.org. Get there, find the contacts, and reach out to them and see if there is any questions you'd like to ask. Probably something you will want to do about FGM in Meru or just the FGM campaign in general, or probably want to hear much more about some of these issues, or even just have a conversation. Around female genital mutilation with with Catherine, then you can reach out to her through their website. This has been the NFGM podcast. My name is Jeremiah Kipainoi, and I am so happy to have you here today. You are listening to Catherine Diakono, who is the founder Care Health Providers, a community-based organization in Meru County here in Kenya. You can get bonus materials, notes, and much more at www.kipainoi.com K-I-P-A-I-N-O-I dot Please remember, we all can do something. Go out and make a difference. For we all have a responsibility to make this world a better place. Goodbye.